want to flex our spiritual muscles today. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 2, 9 through 13. Wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim and see, and send unto Kedar, and consider diligently. And see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountains of living waters, and had hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And I want to talk to you this morning on broken cisterns. God bless you. You may be seated. We are a very blessed people. We are a very blessed nation. A nation that was founded upon godly principles. Granted, God is not mentioned in the Constitution, but He is mentioned in every major document that leads up to the final words of the Constitution. For example, Connecticut is still known as the Constitution State because its colonial constitution was used as a model for the United States Constitution. Its very words were this, for as much as it has pleased the Almighty God by the wise disposition of His divine providence. Most of the 55 founding fathers who worked on the Constitution were members of the Orthodox Christian churches and many were even evangelical Christians. And the first official act in the first Continental Congress was to open with a Christian prayer and end it in these words, the merits of Jesus Christ, thy Son and our Savior, amen. I don't know about you, but it sounds a little like a Christian prayer. Benjamin Franklin at the Constitutional Convention said this, God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire can rise without his aid. Chief Justice John Adams stated so eloquently during this period of time that the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. And I will avow that I then believe and now believe that the general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. The intent of the First Amendment was well understood during the founding of our country. The First Amendment was not to keep religion out of government. No, it was to keep the government from establishing a national denomination like they did in the Church of England. As early as 1799, 
a court declared by our form of government, the Christian religion is the established religion. And all sects and denomination of Christians are placed on the same equal footing. Even in the letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Baptist of Danbury, Connecticut, from which we would derive the term separation of church and state. He made it quite clear that the wall of separation was to ensure that the government would never interfere with religious activities because religious freedoms come from God. They do not come from the government. George Washington, who certainly knew the intent of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights since he presided over their formation, said in his farewell address, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. So in vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars. In 1892, the court stated, no purpose of action against religion can be imputed to any legislation state or national because this is a religious people. This is a Christian nation. And from the Supreme Court of the United States, the court went on to cite 87 precedents, prior actions, words and rulings to conclude that this was a Christian nation. Our own currency states in God we trust. But yet there is a world that will try to tell you differently. They will tell you that we were never a Christian nation. We were never founded on godly principles. There are many that share a distorted view of the nation that we live in. People will embrace everything but Christianity. They shout love and exception to everyone, but not to the Christians. They take prayer out of schools and put in gender swap days. They remove in God we trust in our nation and put in we can do it ourselves. Blast the Christians and embrace the homosexual lifestyle. You are a hero today, not because you fought in a war, but you're a hero for coming out and promoting your fleshly desires. Kill newborn babies. Stamp your approval on abortions because after all, it's their own life and their own decisions. But save the whales and save the trees and save the environment because their worth is more than a human life. Discredit creation and promote evolution because in fact, we just evolved. Because we can just do it for ourselves. We trust not in God or a high power. No, we now trust in ourselves. Why? Because we did it ourselves. It was because of our own abilities. It was because of our own talents. We did it and nobody else did. Have you ever heard? I got that promotion. I got that new job. I got that new position. I got that new home. I got that new car. It was because of my efforts. It was because of my hard work. I did it myself. And just like in the days of Jeremiah, 
when the word of the Lord came to him in Jeremiah chapter two, God told him to go and cry unto the children of Israel and say, I remember thee. I remember thee in thy youth. I blessed thee. I provided for thee for 40 years. I gave thee direction by a pillar of fire by night. I guided your footsteps. I provided manna for you in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. You did not have to plant it. I gave it to you freely. I loved you. You were holy unto me. I gave of myself to you. I put you first, Israel. O house of Jacob and all of Israel, Jeremiah 2, 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord? And it brought us up out of the land of Egypt that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwells. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, ye defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. God was saying, what have I done to you that you would just leave me high and dry and follow after your own lust? I brought you into a blessed land. You were a blessed people. You were a blessed nation. Can I tell somebody this morning that there is a danger in the blessing? There is a danger in prosperity. There is a danger in the pursuits of this world. Can I tell somebody, they are unprofitable. And we have got to be careful because the very thing that started out as a blessing can now become a snare unto you. The job that you thought you had to have, the relationship you thought you needed, the promotion that you always long for, if you are not careful, it will rob you of the things of God. If you're not careful, the very blessings that you prayed for will drive you away from the presence of the king. And that blessing and anointing that God gave to you, you have now defiled it. Now it's no longer a blessing, but you have turned it into an abomination because you thought it was you. Because you thought you did it. Because you thought it was about your song. You thought it was about the message you preached. You thought it was about the prayer you prayed. And you never once even stopped to ask the simple question, where is the Lord? Where did he go? 
When did he leave? Jeremiah 2.11 said, Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Our nation has changed and not to the better. They want to take away everything that is sacred. Our world wants to take away everything that is holy. They, they want to take it away. They, they want to change the glory. They want to change what has made our nation great for something that does not profit. Verse 12, be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, forsaken the fountain of living waters, no longer desiring the flow of his spirit, no longer desiring his touch, no longer desiring to fast, no longer desiring to pray in the wee hours of the night, no longer uh, wanting to give themselves to study, no longer wanting to give themselves to sacrifice because in reality, we don't know what sacrifice is really about because we just give enough as to not really feel it. I'll give just an extra, but I don't want to give it to the point it becomes a sacrifice. I can't really put my trust in him because I've got a bill that's due tomorrow. I'll just give God a tip because after all, God doesn't need my money. And you are absolutely right. He doesn't need your money. He needs you. If we would really be kingdom minded, it would be a blessing to give. Sister Philpott, we would not have to worry about the bills of the church if people would just trust in God. If that'd be about the kingdom. But the problem is many don't trust him because we have hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We forgot about how we got here. We forgot about where the true blessings come from. We forgot about the Jehovah Jireh because we now have MasterCard to get us out of our struggle. We have forgot about the healer because we now have Tylenol and Vicodin and all those other prescriptions to ease the pain. We were at Landmark just a few weeks ago, days ago. And Brother Haney got up and said, when he's at all these places that he went and, and many were healed, and he was wondering why all the healings happened there and not happened here. And he was troubled by it. But he, in reality, he realized that we're a blessed people. It's not that we're bad, but we have hospitals to go to. We have doctors that can prescribe us antidotes. But in the Philippines, they have either a miracle or death. They don't get in a car and drive to their church. They walk to church. There was a lady that put her dead husband in a wheelbarrow. 
and brought him to church. And God healed him from the dead because that was the only hope she had. Please don't get pastor wrong. I'm not preaching against Tylenol. I'm not preaching against Excedrin. But what I'm telling you, we can't put our trust and our hopes in Excedrin or Tylenol. We have to put our hopes in God. We've got to trust in Him. As many have forgot about the way maker because it's their way or the highway. We can do it ourselves, Brother Carl. We can build the vessels. We can build the cisterns. If we could just sing the right song, if, if I could just hear the right message, I could have church without him. Get the drums hit, get the, get the bass thumping. Problem is, when we build it, we can't get it right. When we construct it, it has flaws. I know we may make it look good, and we could play the part and we could fake it. But when the light comes on and adversity strikes, when we face the struggle, the pressures and the stress, they'll break the cisterns to the point that it can't hold any water anymore. That's why he looked at the Laodicean church. He says, you found a way to have church without me. Somehow you realized the songs, the music, the worship. You knew the calisthenics of it. You found a way, but you had no idea that you were wretched, miserable, poor, naked, and you had no idea. You kicked me out. He said in Revelation 3.10, I stand at the door and knock. Does anybody know you just kicked me out? God wants to help. God's got living waters, but we try to build our own cisterns. Jeremiah 2, 9 says, Wherefore I will plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. Don't chase after cisterns. That's what God's saying. Chase after me. Chase after the fountain of living waters. Chase after me, not your kingdom, but my kingdom. Not your will, but God says, chase after my will. Don't chase after your plan and your ideas, but God saying, chase after my plan. Chase after my ways. So you try to do it yourself. It'll never work. John chapter 4 is a scene that we play in our Easter drama many times and we depict it on how cruel life can be and Sister Miller plays a dynamic role and does an incredible job but all her life she is broken down by what she's done and she comes to a place that now for her to get water, because you have to have water. Your body needs water. But she knows I can't go during the day because everybody's around there. 
I'm going to go later in the day when nobody's around. But all of a sudden, as she begins to make her way to that well, she finds Jesus. Could you imagine how she felt in her spirit? After all, she was a Samaritan. And Jews looked at Samaritans as dogs. You think people in California are rude? And you try to say hi, you're like, and they're not saying anything to you? Jews to Samaritans, they don't talk. She's already feeling guilty of all the junk in her life. Making her way now, she's got Jewish man by the well. She goes up there and he has the audacity to say, woman, give me to drink. And her reply, because all her life, Brother Carl, she had a broken cistern. She'd try to get water, but she'd always have to come back. She just did what she could to survive. And Jesus, the man with living water, says, give me to drink. And the woman says, how is it? You, being a Jew, ask me a Samaritan, a dog, outcast, a past. How is it that you ask me, give me drink? And Jesus looks at her and says, woman, if you only knew who it is that's asking you, give him drink, then you would have asked of him instead and he would have given him living water. Jesus said, he that drinks of this well shall thirst again. You keep doing what you can, but I'm telling you, when struggle and adversity strikes and it hits so hard many times, that we find ourselves full of anxiety, full of stress, full of worry, full of confusion to the point we want to give up. That's why we live in a nation where suicide is on the rampant. People are taking their lives because they don't see a way out because all they have is broken cisterns. They can't house the water. They can't find a solution. They try in every fleshly desire. They try in the drugs. They try in the alcohol. They try in the perversions of the world and everything they can. The Bible says there are pleasures of sin, but yet for a season. When that season runs out, when that Cistern goes dry. You got to go back to that water. Go back to that world. Say, I need some more. I, I can't cope anymore. Yet Jesus looks at her. 
Thank God for a God that doesn't give up on us. We give up on ourselves. God has forgiven you time and time again. But the problem is not God forgiving you. The problem is you forgiving yourself. And if you've asked God to forgive you and you have truly repented and you turned away and you're trying to walk a new path, guess what God has forgiven you? You've got to dust yourself off. and You've got to forgive yourself. I know you don't deserve it, but God has showed you mercy. He said where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Shall we continue and sin? God forbid. Well, but I serve a God that, you know, he, he won't send anybody to hell. You know, we serve a God of love and mercy. Everybody, not everybody's gonna go there. I'm sorry to tell you, not everybody is going to heaven. Bible said in Isaiah, hell hath enlarged herself. God's will is that none should perish. Many are going to come to him. Brother Jesse, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. God's hands on you. But a sobering point, Brother Jesse, we talked about last night at my house. Many are going to come to the Lord. They're bringing their broken cisterns. They're saying, hey, I preached. <laughs> I sang. I prophesied. I laid my hands on people. And the Lord says, I don't know you. You never had a relationship with me. All you had was a broken cistern. All you had was your own talents and your own ability. And God says, I don't know you. Well, how do we get out? He that drinks of this well shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the well that I shall give shall never thirst again. But it will become a river of life flowing up in your soul. What are you saying, pastor? I'm telling you there's a better way out. There's a way out of the mess. There's a way out of your past mistakes. And it's not in your broken system. It's in the living water. It's in the one that can provide it. It's to God. You say, well, how, how do I get out? It's by faith. It really is. It's by faith, Brother Landry. Understanding that the prodigal, it's a prodigal moment that everybody, if you really want to be saved, everybody has to have a prodigal moment. And that prodigal moment is he's remembering what it was like at daddy's home. He was remembering the living water. Now understanding he has broken dreams, broken promises. A broken sister knowing that he messed up. 
Bible says he came to himself and he made up his mind. I will not chase after broken cisterns again. I will not try to do it myself. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve to be a son. If I could just become a servant. If I could just get back to daddy's house. I'll tell daddy, dad, just let me be a servant. Because my servants have it better than I have it. He makes his way back to dad. Brother Gilbert, our loving Savior, he doesn't kick down your door. He doesn't come in uninvited. He just waits. Put his glasses on. And he waits. He sees dust coming up in the distance. He's prayed many prayers. I want my baby home. I want, I want my boy to come back. I know what life has done. He sees, Brother Manuel, he, he sees what looks like his son. And all of a sudden, without any kind of feeling of how he looked, the Bible says he runs. He runs to his boy. The boy should have ran to daddy. But dad ran to the boy. Dad picks him up. He says, my boy, you were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. You're here, and the boy is saying, Dad, I'll be a servant, but Dad never heard that. Put that ring on. Put that authority on. Give him that robe. Kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. Why? Because he don't want broken cisterns anymore. He wants living water. And I'm here today to tell you, I know it's Sunday morning. But I'm here to tell somebody that God knows exactly where you are. Don't let the enemy, don't let the adversary get in your brain and throw condemnation on you for what you haven't done. Don't let fear and anxiety and depression rule your life anymore. But somebody dust off the dirt from you and get up and say, I'm coming back to daddy. I'm running after that living water. Because what happened when that woman realized who she was talking to? Sister Philpott does it so great. You, you're the Messiah. You, you're Him. And all of a sudden, she becomes a soul winner. And she turns her world upside down. Like Brother Jesse, you've been doing You've been bringing bodies to church. You've been evangelizing. Because you don't want broken cisterns anymore. You want living water. Guess what? If I have it, if I've got that living water, you can have it. And if you can have it, you can have it. And y'all can have it. It gets contagious. Because God wants to refill you 
with living water. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Raise your hands all across this building. Somebody lift up your voice. Come on, there's a God calling for you today. You may be far from home this morning, but you're not that far that God can't pick up down and pick you up and refill you with living water. Throw down that broken cistern. Throw down your own talents and your own abilities. Throw down your past and run to a Savior that loves you and cares about you. Hallelujah, lift up your voice. He loves you today. He loves you today. Come on, step out from where you are. Come down to this altar. Say, God, I just want more. I want more of that fountain of living water. I know I don't deserve it, but God... Thank you for what you did. Thank you for love. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for a second chance. Come on. He loves you. He loves everything about you. He wants you to know you haven't seen your greatest days yet. You haven't seen your greatest breakthroughs yet. Your babies are coming home. Your kids are coming back to this. Let the living water flow through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Just want you. I just want you. Just want that living water, God. Shut up. Oh, oh God. Hallelujah. Just want you. Just want you. Sharakayato. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Come on, come on. I just want you. Yes, God. Bless my friend. Let those living waters flow again. Move on, God. Move on. Hallelujah. Pray for my friend, God. Pray a hand on him, his family. God, keep blessing. Keep making a way, God. We can't do it ourselves, but God, we can do it through you. Shorayatayasi, he a royal rock or a star. 
I just want you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love, God. I depend on you. Trust on you. Hallelujah. 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 Want you. I just, I just want you, God. 